Welcome to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Micah Horvath. This podcast exists to share the stories of everyday people, to discuss the difficult moments in life that we refer to as valleys, the incredible times we compare to being on top of a mountain, and the ever-changing road in between that we call life. We all have a story to tell. We hope that this podcast helps you in sharing your own. On today's episode, we sat down with our friend Taylor Smith. Taylor shares about growing up in a Christian school, how he was paid to attend church, and growing in your faith. But I'll let him tell you his story. Yeah, I grew up in a home where my parents loved the Lord. My parents came from a super strict background, um, and so they kind of turned against that in the churches that I attended because they grew up in Temple and like went to college there, and then um, pushed up against the legalism and you know super high-strung moral police kind of culture that that was and so when I was in their care (laughs) I experienced them like kind of going in the praise you know contemporary direction which in like early 2000s you know a church singing like contemporary worship songs and not hymns was a pretty big deal so um so that's what I I kind of experienced Mixed also with uh, growing up in a school called Grace Academy, which was pretty strict and, like, I would say more straight-laced than maybe my parents were, especially my dad. But So I, I grew up in that, that environment where there's probably a good balance, maybe. Um, but me as, like, a teenager, I guess is what I'm thinking about, uh, I was a Christian in my mind and knew the things, but in my behavior just kind of rebelled against anything that told me what to do. Um, and, and my real drive in life was pleasure. So whatever like I felt like doing is what I would do. So the reason my grades were bad is because why the crap would I do homework like when I could play video games? That just doesn't make sense to me. Like, my mind didn't... I mean, of course, you know, I was an idiot and a, and a young... But at the same time, I could just see the desire in me. was like, <clears throat> if it's not fun, why would I do it? Um, and so, the I think the motivation, you know, for a lot of, like, the, the grade stuff was that in school was really, like, um, pushed back against my teachers and stuff and, like, was always... I was always on the the line of like I was known as like a troublemaker but would never cross that like the too far line like I'd always get they had like work crews in my school and you could get a certain amount of work crews and then you'd get suspended and always be at like one or two before suspension because I just you know I do I could do whatever I wanted I could stop making trouble I could stop start making good grades but I didn't, I waited until the very last line. So I'd, I'd make, you know, C's, like C minus, like just enough to get 
past. And um, I think the the rebellion in like in like teacher form and and my parents was for attention. Like it brought me popularity. It brought me you know people accepted me because I was funny. I was the one kid, the kid outside the class. Anybody walked by, you know, they saw me and it's like, yeah, that's Taylor. Like he gets in trouble and he's, you know, funny. And like, you know, that's kind of how that was my little niche. So I get involved with, uh, the chapel all of a sudden because somebody told me my voice sounded good. And I was like, Oh, there's a way I can get noticed and recognized. Like that sounds cool. Um, and so I started leading worship in a chapel, in our chapel, and um, I start taking voice lessons, and all of a sudden, like, my vocal teachers tell me, yeah, I think you could do this in, like, college and stuff, and so that is obviously, like, singing is a pretty, I guess, spotlighty thing, and I liked that. Like, for sure. I, I was not the guy that was shy at all or didn't want that. I wanted that. I wanted the attention. Um, that's the only reason I really did the whole leading in the chapel thing is because I liked the attention. And um, I can remember one time my uh, I rolled up my, like, pant leg and, like, wore a hat. And I just couldn't understand why my teacher thought that was a bad idea. Like... Because it gave me attention. Like, if people thought it was funny, why would... I didn't I didn't understand at all the point of what I was doing. <laughs> because I wasn't a believer. Um, but I thought I was. Went off to college. Did the vocal thing. Got a scholarship um, to Chat State. Whoop, whoop. And uh, I... That, that, like, line where I was getting right up to and starting to cross, but never crossed disappeared you know like the bubble that I was in went away and so now I didn't know where the boundaries were and um that got me into all all sorts of stuff so uh went off to college and when I say off to college I mean like 20 minutes away from my house uh right it was brutal uh then I moved in with my buddy which I thought was the greatest thing ever uh, Chris and uh, a friend of ours, Ryan, and uh, Ryan was above 21, so ooh, fun, fun. We got in, in uh, to some alcohol and some party scenes. And at first, you know, I was, I, I still had that line in my mind, you know, that bubble, that that like compass, a little bit in my mind. But I mean, when it's not rooted in anything besides what your parents and your teachers say. Why on earth? Once again, when my drive is popularity and fun, <laughs> that's way more fun and going to get me way more likes than uh, not doing it. So I started trying it. thought it was disgusting, but everybody else was doing it. And then as far as school's concerned, I, uh, once again, it's like, why would I go to class when I could stay home? Like, nobody's telling me to do anything now. So I, like, fail everything and just drop out get involved in the party scene and um just all my friends I mean pretty much all my close friends that I can recall in high school were in that scene of like we had our you know I know a lot of times at our house because we were at a Chris's house who was in my grade too and we were alone and um so 
that was fun and I enjoyed it and uh, it always did feel a little you know backwards to me though just because of my roots of where you know I was I was from and raised in and I knew like if my parents knew what was going on like they wouldn't be happy and you know no matter how much you rub out against your parents you still you're looking up to them you love them you know they love you you know they care about you you know in the back of your mind yeah this all this stuff is probably not the best you know you just kind of know that but you push it down or I push it down so anyways that goes on for a while and um in the midst of that I'm like showing up to church every now and then I'm going to parents sometimes I'm doing whatever all the while just kind of suppressing this thought I think the thought that was in my mind was I'll get to the whole God thing whenever like later on like this is like yeah I'll deal with that whatever is going on in my heart like whatever this guilt or like this these feelings but I'm I'm not I think sometimes maybe I would I can't remember exactly but I feel like sometimes I would maybe make packs in my mind but really I just didn't care there was no you know like I said I wasn't a believer so I would tell you I was and I, I was pretty convinced I was but um, so that goes on for back and forth the school thing dropping in dropping out signing in for classes and like trying to go but then just not doing it and then uh, I remember a buddy uh, Jeff who is involved in all the stuff with me all the sudden just this is probably like two and a half years after high school he starts talking to me about um, you know, maybe coming to church with him. How he's been to Silverdale. Tells me about um, he's talks talking about God and the Bible and stuff. And I'm just like, where the heck is this coming from? Like, why is this like? This is my boy. Like, this is a dude passed out drunk with multiple times. With him, him, uh, me, and Chris, the guy that I roomed with for a lot of the time. We were, like, always together, always doing stuff, always getting into trouble, always, like, got drunk all the time. Um, Black and Milds were our things, little ghetto cigars, but, oh, yeah, man. Um, But, yeah, I didn't know what this, like, where this was coming from, Um, but he just kept asking me, like, to come to church with him, asking me what my relationship with God was like and that was again what I said just a second ago like like yeah I'll get to that like yeah yeah I know I need to do something but like I'll deal with that later but I also thought man I've got what I what I want I've got you know the life that I want but I also I'm saved so I'm I'm fine so anyways I always said you know I had to work I worked at Olive Garden at the time I was like I've got to work man I'm sorry I've got to work I've got to work but he knew I could give up a shift if I really wanted to I could pay somebody to do it he's like hey man how much would you make um on a Thursday night if you went into work I was like oh like 80 bucks he's like I'll give you 80 bucks if you come to church with me <laughs> so he gave me 80 bucks and 80 bucks is not what I would have made I made a lot less than that but that's what I told him because why not take some extra free money right <laughs> So uh, I go to church with him, and uh, there's a pastor by the name of Travis who's preaching. And I'd never heard anybody speak my language when they talked about the gospel. 
when they talked about the Bible, when they talked about Jesus. I don't remember exactly what was taught to me in church as a kid, um, in high school. My heart was hard, so I'm, it's not a fair judge. Like, But when I think back, I think about rules being a big component and really the message of the gospel getting lost. Um, the beauty of Jesus and the person who I was compelled, like the reason I kept coming back to church is because, dude, this Jesus guy sounds awesome. But I just don't remember that being... But once again, I've, I've kind of warred between that just because I've judged my past school harshly, but it's also like I was an unbeliever. <laughs> like that, that message falls on deaf ears because I was, my heart was hard. So anyways, uh, yeah, I go and he says, dude and bro and speaks like I speak. And I'm just like, who is this guy? And and he talks about Jesus like he's the most unbelievable thing he's ever come in contact with. And I'm like, I've never heard this before. Like, never. And, but I passed it off. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. But, you know, I'm getting messed up on the inside. Like, I'm getting I'm getting jacked up. Jesus is is, is messing with my heart. And <clears throat> I I'm moving back and forth between going a few times, whatever, like, I'd go, but every time, man, I just got messed up, so finally, I, I go to a, a buddy's house, I'm like tipsy at his house, I was planning on passing out there, and, uh, I just couldn't sleep, man, I couldn't, I just was feeling down, like, I don't, I just, I remember, it was dark, the TV was on, I didn't feel good, like, not physically, but just, like, inside, I don't know, spiritually, emotionally, so I drive home, and, this David Crowder song comes on, and uh, if you remember back, like in the high school days, as I was leading, pretty much all I sang was David Crowder because I was like, "This is the only guy that doesn't suck in Christian radio." That's what I thought. Um, so uh, he comes on, and I think I think it was just the nostalgia, like bringing me back to the kind of innocence of that line that I had, the innocence of before the past three years had taken place and it just hit me dude like the sin the weight of it like the the that guilt all came just crashing down so i pull up to my house and i just start bawling dude i'm just i broke down and uh yeah it was game on all that work that he'd been doing just came to a a, a forefront uh of my heart there and um so I just tell God, you know, I'm ready. I, I want I want to I don't remember what the wordage I used to when I told when I I used to be able to remember exactly what I, it was that I said. Um but something to the effect of I'm tired of feeling this way. Like I I, I know the guilt like waking up the next day, you know, my sin is is before me, you know, and I can see it, and I want to be cleansed of it. Wasn't in so many words, but that was where salvation happened, I think. Um, which is funny because um, it wasn't a clear turn at all. There was eventually, but uh, anyway. So I I call you know a good buddy of mine, uh, a mentor to me for a while, and um, he I say, man, I got to meet up. I call my sister. Um, 
my oldest sister, who's been a firm believer, uh, and like got to meet up tomorrow. And these are both people who loved me while I was like super unlovable. I mean, just I was a complete butthole. Um, and uh, you know, I'm talking to them. I'm like, man, I, I kind of want to change. Like, I, I I don't know. I just there's something like, well, you gotta stop hanging out with morons. Like, you're 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 the guys you're rolling with all get drunk. You know, that's kind of their their goal. And if you want to change, you can't be around them, at least for a little while. And so I'm like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And so long story short, I'm going through spiritual warfare just back and forth. Like, you know, obviously this is God, the Spirit moving in me. I have accepted him, but now the call, the cross that you have to pick up afterwards is is there. And, and I'm, I'm just not, I'm not feeling it. And I just... I remember one Sunday I went to uh, a church called the Vineyard, and at the end of the message, I don't remember much about the message, but at the end, the pastor starts talking about Lent, which is this Catholic tradition. You give up something for 40 days before Easter. And uh, it was just clear as day, man. God was like, it's time to give up alcohol. Give up alcohol for 40 days. See what happens. And, uh, you know, there's just no other explanation besides the Spirit's ready. (laughs) to just take that away and because I just kept saying no 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 and then finally okay it was just like it was so easy um that had been so hard and then that day it was like all right I'm gonna do this and so I went home told my parents again very uncharacteristic like why would I tell my parents that um but I did and um that was instant joy I remember the next day waking up and it was like I saw things completely different, man, like completely different. The Bible was like alive and real. I was still playing music um, throughout that period, but I remember picking my guitar up and like writing a song immediately. Um, And the rest, like songwriting has a way of fueling my faith a lot of the time. And that was probably the first, that was the first time that that had happened because I was a believer for the first time. (laughs) play music still so uh yeah it was it was a a huge transformation going to parties still um and just drinking like coke and like having to tell people that and i just be like yeah man i'm I'm trying this this lint thing out like i'm not drinking for 40 days and everybody's like what the heck is wrong with you (laughs) that's the that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard and uh like going to the pit every Thursday night, and uh, yeah, man, it was it was a wild transformation. And there's uh, like at Olive Garden, um, I was still working there, and there's a girl that um, like I was in the next over the next year. I mean, it was a long time, but like talking to her about Jesus, inviting her to church, and she I just saw her last Wednesday uh, at Silverdale. Her and her husband both were unbelievers at. Olive Garden, and they both came to faith um, during that time period. It was like that I, I was able to be a part of um, when God saved me, like a sort of revival that took place because of the influence of that Thursday night service. And so, yeah, I just kind of happened to come to faith at this like crazy awesome time. <laughs> where God was doing some wicked stuff Um, because there was a lot of my friends from high school who came to that service and either got saved or got, you know, their faith renewed. My buddy Chris, 
who uh, I was, you know, best friends with, he ended up, and it was funny because Jeff, me, and him were all three rolling together, just like the old times. Yeah, and, you know, that was, that was when I came to faith. So, hey, Taylor, what kind of music do you listen to? Obviously, Christian music, right? That's all you listen to. That's it. (laughs) I try to not listen to any Christian music when I'm outside of the office. No, I really don't, but uh, I... I do, I go through spells where I try to not do that because that's pretty much all I'm engulfed in for so long. Um, that I really do love, like Radiohead. Man, I, I love that and am fueled creatively through that, but I just forget about it sometimes. Kitty's a good album. It's wonderful. Um, yeah, listen to, uh, you don't like Radiohead. I've, I haven't listened to Radiohead, so I don't really... Rainbow Two. Rainbow Two. I've heard. Yes, yeah, that's a good I hear album. that all the time. Listen okay. to that. Yes, that's in, like the most. Bends. Yeah, that's like the most mainstreamy. But that's my favorite. So I'm not. I'm not like a super deep, weird person. But I just got into music through my brother. Same. Yep. So, uh, what do I listen to? Man, I love folksy stuff. Mm-hmm folksy pop folk really which is what I like learned how to play guitar on so City and Color was like the first introduction to that um and he went a little bit too pop for me now no but uh but yeah that guy that I mentioned Chris Renemza um I really I really enjoy that cause I love writing that music and so when I hear great writers of that music it reminds me I need to make more of that because there's not that in our scene very much it's meaning the worship scene it's in like the Christian scene but I don't think in the like church worship yeah you know what I'm saying you. yeah like like how Switchfoot need to breathe are yeah yeah and like uh like Rin Collective is pretty much the only one that oh, yes. is kind of in that space in the in like the Church congregational yeah. scene. Yeah. Well, because there's a difference with lyrically uh, being able to sing it as a congregation versus like a personal worship. Right. I guess I am fueled by that. In that, I we're getting way off topic from your first question, but oh, that's the point. Yeah. I <laughs> I just want churches to make good music that connects to their congregation and mm-hmm. exalts God rather than worship music. Yeah. You know. Can you give an example of somebody who's doing that well? Mike Cosper was doing well when he was a pastor. Hmm. Uh, he was a worship pastor and they Sojourn was the church. I'm yeah. sure you've heard yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, so he wasn't like a lead singer, but he was the worship pastor over that ministry. And like they have tons of different genres of music. And they would take old Isaac, they had a whole album that was Isaac Watts um, hymns that they put into new melodies. Because they were all young at the time. And they just kind of said, you know, we like to write music, like songs and lyrics, but 
this guy's written it a lot better than we could ever say it. So they're like, let's just put new music and new melodies to this. Um, so I think he's doing it really well. Um, Sojourn. I mean, sorry. Uh, uh, Bob Coughlin's church is Sovereign Grace. Yeah. Does it really well. They kind of have, well, again, they, they do some stuff that sounds like modern era worshipy. Yeah. But they do a ton of stuff that sounds different too. Um, Keith and Kristen Getty do it really well. Mm-hmm. Getty's. Yeah. They write, I mean, they're from Ireland, so they've got like tons of different cultural things on their side, but they do it really well. Yeah, all the uh, Irish worship bands are where it's at, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> are you Irish, Kip? Maybe a little bit. Biased. I'm very biased. Definitely going to Ireland for our honeymoon. So. I've heard it's amazing. We're gonna find out. That's epic, dude. <laughs> um, kind of coming out of that question, or mostly just what you're talking about. Uh, I was wondering. When, when when you're leading worship, um, do you find yourself kind of going through the motions while you're doing it? Or do you find yourself kind of wrapped up in that worshipful moment? Because I know <clears throat> I have two different perspectives on it. Like as someone in the congregation, I can get really absorbed in what's happening with the worship and feel really connected with what God's doing mm-hmm. in that moment. But then also like there are times where I'm in the, the tech booth and I don't get caught up in the worship because I'm too focused on what I'm doing, mm-hmm. like the actual actions and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. I'd say that's the biggest uh, obstacle to me feeling like I'm doing the right thing as mm-hmm. a worship leader, yeah. meaning like I'm in the right vocation. Right. Because um, that's. I I can't stand inauthenticity. Is that the right word? It yes, is now. it is. Yep. It is a correct word. Okay, cool. <laughs> if, uh, like, people being uh, not genuine. Fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't stand that. Mm-hmm. So I can't do that myself. And... I, yeah, so the answer is, no, I struggle with that. I struggle with being there. I struggle with what the purpose of uh, us gathering together and singing is. And that led me down a very long road, which I'm still on, and figuring out, are we supposed to be engaged in that moment of worship, like, 24-7? Or is there something else that we should be doing? With our attention and our emotions, um, is that the goal of us gathering? Is like if we don't get to that moment, you know, hmm. those are the questions that it's led me to ask because I haven't been able to, because I'm so against like being not me, because I just feel like I'm lying to God and everyone. <laughs> like I mean, really, like that's what I feel like if I'm if I'm like you know, getting into this, not that I haven't done that, like for sure, but I'm, I'm saying that I've experienced because I have done that. And 
it makes me feel it makes me just want to kind of throw up like I'm just like this is gross so that has led me to search for other meanings and reasons so for worshiping and 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 what am I supposed to be doing that like that's what it's led me to ask is like is that the goal is that what I'm supposed to be doing so uh, the answer to your question is I struggle with that majorly yeah yeah I can agree with the sentiment. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not musically inclined, so I don't yeah. lead worship, and I have no idea. Yep. Um, but that's the cultural mandate, right? Like that's yeah. what we all think is what's supposed to happen. That's true, right? I mean, yeah. that's that's what you think is like. If you're, if you, you walk away and you have had that moment, then I think you're probably inclined to say, "I met with God." Mm-hmm. Or I got something from God, or I did the right thing, or I sang the right way. But if you don't, then you may feel like church didn't work. You know? mm, yeah. Which I would question. Yes. Absolutely. <coughs> so I was thinking it's kind of like, I hate this phrase, but like your day to day life. Mm-hmm. It's a very Christianese way of looking at it mm-hmm. um, outside of church. So, how am I gonna say this? Well, you know what his day to day life is, right? Well, yeah, but I'm I just some average person. Yeah, for every, everyone else who yeah. isn't leading worship, you know, um, it's easy for us to come in and sing songs and not mean anything, and then go out and do our jobs and just not be the hands and feet of Jesus to anybody, or not grow at all, um, and for the the day the normal person um that's kind of what it would be like for them to get up on stage and just strum chords out and just sing the right right verse off the screen or whatever mm-hmm. um it's just them going through the whole motion yeah um but then when they when they actually go out and they live life like Jesus calls them to do by loving others mm-hmm. and loving their enemies and the whole shebang then that's mm-hmm. them worshiping and i feel like people have kind of lost that yeah um they're kind of stuck in like this mindset where they have to do a specific thing and that specific thing is what serving god looks like like well I, if, if i go on a mission trip then i'm serving god right. but then when i go into the office on monday i'm not serving god i'm just getting a paycheck yeah it's like well you're in the wrong mindset if you want to worship god then you should go into the office and love right. people right. where you're supposed to right and many have said that's a harder thing to do mm-hmm. than go on a mission trip. Yeah. So. More to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very true. Next question. Has there been anybody um, that has been influential in your faith the more you grow? So now that you you've shared your story mm-hmm. with Jeff and Chris, mm-hmm. Jeff was I'd say pretty influential in getting you to the pit on Thursday night, mm-hmm. and then Travis uh, was another vessel that God used to really work on your heart. Um, but since since that life changed, mm-hmm. this is years later. Is there anybody in more recent time that's been a, a big influence to your mm-hmm. everyday faith? 
I mean, honestly, the biggest influence has been books. Amen. <laughs> it's the biggest influence of in books and then a school that I'm in called 10,000 Fathers. That's probably been the most I mean, I'm in it right now, so it's the most recent thing on my mind, but definitely books and or that school uh, which is done in a relational way. So, I w- I mean that you could call that like I was thinking it hasn't been a person, but I have a coach in there who I meet with every week. So that's yeah, a part of it for sure. But I mean, it's the material that they're and the message that they're sending and all that jazz. And what's what's been the impact or what's the result? The biggest result is the expanding, expanding my mind my viewpoints on black and white faith to contemplative and not dualistic thinking so um i i have previously thought that being right and thinking the right things is probably the most valuable thing in the christian faith and i just don't believe that anymore so thinking the right things just for, for clarity as far as this is what Scripture means or thinking right as in pure thought? Scripture means. Okay, that's, that's what I thought, but just <clears throat> yeah. for a little bit of clarification there. Yeah. Just the secondary issues, I think, are, are in my mind sometimes still primary issues. Right, yeah. Um, where I just don't, I don't know, I see, I see Jesus you kind of alluded to this, but I wanted to go a little bit more into it. Um, have you like stayed in touch with any of your your friends from the party scene? I, uh, of course, Jeff is. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He's pastor. <laughs> he's doing doing the big thing, rocking along. Uh, my buddy Chris, um, I've tried to keep in touch with as best I can. And, uh, you know, we're still acquaintances. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and the other guys, there's still a few of them, like that guy that um, that still goes to Silverdale. You know, still in touch with him. Um, Matt Berry was another guy that was a part of that scene who's still close but the real answer to your question the guys that kind of fell off the face of the map or came for a little bit around my circle and and didn't stick not as much um I actually just went through my phone like probably three months ago and went through all these old numbers and just sent out texts just said hey dude what's going on like to people like that that I hadn't talked to in like forever that's awesome and uh I got like two or three replies yeah yeah most of them one of them I got into a long conversation and he said is this Taylor Smith who golfs and I was like I play goody golf but I don't think that's what you're talking about so I had no idea I talked to him for a while and I had no idea who it was that's funny (laughs) yeah but yeah the answer to your question really is is mostly no yeah yeah that's fair that's fair yeah I feel like I don't stay in touch with most of my friends from 
back in the, the crazy days. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting to see what you have in common with them now. Usually, the only thing that was holding you together was the sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or that's been the case for me. Yeah. That's true. It's a little more personal, so you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. And I can just cut this out. Yeah, man. But uh, what was the the driving force behind drinking? Like, I don't know. I feel like most people have a reason for it, mm-hmm. um, even if it's <clears throat> not some deep emotional issue. But right. yeah, I think it was just popularity, mm-hmm. approval. Yeah, I'd say the main thing. But I also. Um, I, yeah, twofold. So I am, I'm driven by pleasure in a lot of things. Like indulgence is my uh, kind of one of my main sins. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Enneagram, but mm-hmm. I'm an eight wing seven. So, but a lot of my growing up, the negative side of me came out in the seven form, which is yeah. just indulgent. Indulgence, gluttony, like overuse, addiction. And so anything I touched, like tobacco, uh, alcohol, food, it was all done in excess. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of excess. So that is also another reason. Um, so I'd say one is popularity and, and uh, approval. Everybody else is doing it. I want to be cool. I want to be liked. Uh, two is indulgence. And indulgence in that it, it was fun. It was enjoyable. It's not like I was, you know, walking on nails or anything. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting drunk. That's a thing that's commonly enjoyed. So That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so you and your wife Jenny are expecting a uh uh a son soon, your first kid. Mm-hmm. Super exciting. First kid. Uh, I can't wait to see a mini Taylor running around. New Year's Eve, baby. <laughs> save the joke I said before. You, you can say this joke you said before. Nope, I said I, I'll save it. Oh, okay, I got you. You got, got it, you. Um, but I was I was just kind of wondering. You know, since you lead worship, I feel like often you get to come up on Sunday mornings or Saturday nights, um, and kind of talk to people about what worship is and what it means to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's relatively easy. It's like two minutes. It's just something you can pop up there and do. But yeah. I was wondering how you would explain what worship is and what it means to you to your son in the future. Mm-hmm. I thought about this a little bit. I was hoping you had. <laughs> I think uh, this is with any like anything relating to God I think is going to be caught and then explained you know yeah like caught and then taught is the you know catchy way of saying it (laughs) but so we practice worship at our home and we show him what that looks like in our family so uh, about six months ago I just said I really want this to be something that we do I want us to sing in our home because mm-hmm. I want us to practice worshiping God I want us to do that more than just at church like when we get I want my family to gather at church and it to be like of course we'd sing yeah like 
Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't we do that? That's awesome. Of course, we'd read the Bible. Why would we not read the Bible at like when we gathered as a community of faith? Whereas typically, it's like hear somebody talking about the Bible, and you're like, "Well, I say typically. I always do this. I put my experiences on other people. That's not true. From my mind, I'm like, this is a little weird. You know, this is different for me. Even as somebody who loves singing, um, and loves to sing, but so six months ago, uh, I asked Jenny uh, if we could start singing, <laughs> um, like with our morning devotionals, like every other morning, yeah. and so she agreed because she's wonderful and follows my lead, and uh, yeah, so we're prepped and ready to go to teach Abel, even though we're not going to teach, we're just, you know, mainly going to do it, and then... He's gonna, right? he's gonna hopefully ask questions about it. You yeah. know, like you talk about Jesus a lot and love Jesus well. It's gonna be like, so t- tell me about this. You know, that's just how it happens. Rather than saying, now every you know morning we're gonna read our Bibles because if you know, like, so just do it and love it and and show him that you love it. And I think. I hope he's going to learn how to worship God and ask questions along the way rather than me, you know, having a like, you know, 45 minute sermon that I give to him on a regular basis. So he understands it. So I love it. Live by example. That's, that's the best way to do it. Now I've heard that that's a lot more challenging than I think it is. So <laughs> family devotionals that is. And like doing it on a regular basis, and mm. so I'm sure that that won't happen the way that it is in my head. But for sure, we've set the pattern to just say, "All right, hopefully it'll continue." Yeah, we'll see. That's fantastic. Well, you're putting in the effort in now, so it's better than uh, just saying it'll happen when it happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. hopefully so. so. Um, last question for me. And you, you kind of had time to think about this as you've already provided it. Would you mind sharing? I, I hate the, the phrase life verse personally mm-hmm. because I feel like it's it should be all-encompassing in one or two verses while they may hit heavy and, and be really close to home. And I have a few verses of my own that are very much that for me. Um, not a fan of the phrase, but do you have any scripture that you just cling to mm-hmm. or that has really shaped you yeah. in, in different ways? Yeah. For sure. Would you mind sharing? Yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> See you guys. Um, yeah, I, um, I shared this on a Sunday a while back. Before we sing Psalm 16, um, which is the chorus of or the end of the verse, the chapter is, In your presence there is fullness of joy, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I just remember I used to read that verse and think, yeah, when we get off to heaven, like, we're going to have joy and things are going to be great and, like, there's no more sin, we're with God, that makes sense. That's. Mm-hmm. Fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. Yeah, eternity. Cool. But then I was mainly, I mean, Travis preached this. Jeff, my buddy who kind of 
discipled me and helped me along, but mainly through uh, John Piper um, and his teachings on uh, God and joy found in God and Matt Chandler. Um, I'd say John Piper gave me the big picture, and I was like, yeah, I kind of get it, but, and then Matt Chandler, again, somebody who speaks my language, made it seem a lot more understandable. Started talking about joy being available now, and how God was actually the most desirable thing that our hearts could desire. And um, there's another verse, that this is the, this is the verse that, I remember my, I mean, this is, I just remember this moment. I probably will forever. It's Psalm 37, 4, which says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I remember Matt Chandler preaching on that and saying, the reason that, like, people will say that verse, and they'll say, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So if you love the Lord, you get your car, right? If you delight yourself in God, your house is coming because he's going to give you the desire of your heart. But he was kind of turning that on its head and saying, no, when you delight in the Lord, the desire of your heart is the Lord. (laughs) So he's going to give you as much of him as you want. Um, And uh, that along with 1611, along with just um, a sermon series on Galatians, um, I just remember the concept that God's commands were not taking joy from me. When God says, don't do this, he's not trying to guard us from our happiness. He's trying to keep us in joy. He's trying to, he's trying to give us more rather than take away, which is just so much of what I grew up thinking, not necessarily because somebody taught me that or anything, just... I heard, do not do this. And I thought, but I want to do this. Right? That just like strikes up sin in me when it says, don't do this. I'm like, I want to do this. And uh, just learning that God wants, not only what's best for me, but wants me to have the most joy out of anybody, out of unbelievers, you know, in their alcohol, you know, indulgence and their whatever. And so that those two verses, I think, are just, they kind of put that into words, that God is the most delightful thing that I could have, and that everything he does and says and leads me to is meant to bring me joy. And that was like... That was it, dude. That was like game on. You know, that was kind of the place where, I mean, because how much strength does that give you? Like, especially as somebody who thinks a lot of the time, a lot of the time that life is about pleasure. Life is about finding, it's fun. Like, it's, I want to do what's fun. Like, that's, that's just what's hardwired in me almost. And to learn, oh, God is that, you know, that gave me a lot of encouragement. Thank you for listening to the Mountain and Valley podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating wherever you enjoy your podcasts. 
you can also follow us on social media. Just search for underscore MV podcast on any platform. Again, that's underscore M as in mountain, V as in valley, podcast. This podcast was created and produced by Kip Wilkinson and Michael Horvath. All of our original music was written and produced by the talented Robert Luther. This episode was mixed and mastered by J.A. Parkey. Thank you so much for listening. Now go tell your story.